This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison, a mission-based food company bringing the healthiest meat on the planet directly to your door. I have strived over the years to cultivate a deeper connection with the food that fuels myself and my family, balancing nutritional value and ethics that align with our values. This process has led me to harmonize with nature as much as possible. Maui Nui Venison brings this process to fruition. Not only does this company provide the most nutrient-dense meat available, this is the only stress-free, 100% wild-harvested red meat on the market, an operation that is truly one of its kind, actively managing Maui's invasive axis deer populations, helping to restore balance to vulnerable ecosystems and communities in Hawaii. Maui Nui seeks to restore balance, not eradicate or farm these animals. Managing populations means only a limited number of memberships are available. Get yours while you can. Go to MauiNuiVenison.com slash mindful to get 20% off your first order. Before you drift off into one of our meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to share with you one of the new opportunities for our listeners at The Mindful Movement. This is Sarah Raymond, and I'm so excited to announce the expansion of our coaching services to include two of my good friends and excellent coaches, Nikki Dyer and Laura Cannon. Both Nikki and Laura provide their own unique skill sets, allowing us to meet the needs of our growing audience. If you want to learn more, just follow the coaching link in the show notes. As always, we are grateful for your support and look forward to working with you. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Les Raymond. Thanks for tuning in today for another episode. I have Dr. Perry Nicholson on today for round two. He was on a few years ago and we kind of picked up where we left off, uh, talking more about the lymphatic system and ways that we can help support it that don't take up a lot of the minutes of our day. So I really appreciate that. Also talked about tongue posture and its far reaching effects something that I'm uh, lately been fascinated by and something I've been personally working on. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the episode. Dr. Perry, thanks for joining me again for round two on the Mindful Movement podcast. Thank you so much, my friend, for having me back. Great to be here. My pleasure. You were actually one of my first guests when I took over the podcast and um, that meant a lot to me at the time. I remember being introduced to your work quite some time ago. It was probably around 2010, give or take. Oh yeah, that's retro, man. That's going back. Yeah, it was around the time where I was deepening my uh, understanding of movement and exercise and learning, just scraping the surface of the idea of how dynamic the systems are that were, you know, the meat suit that we're walking around in. And uh, you know, discovering the stop chasing pain meant something because I, at the time I remember I was working with a really high skilled manual therapist and he never worked on the areas that hurt. <laughs> so it, it was, it, it meant something. It was like, Oh, the problems you have when you have pain generally aren't where you feel the pain. That's very true. So I know that person automatically has got elevated skills because most yeah, people don't think skilled. like, yeah, I was, um, really privileged to uh, to be able to uh, interact with them and really grateful that I stumbled upon your work. Um, and then eventually you kind of disappeared from my field of awareness and then reappeared um, 
with force in the realm of the lymphatic system. And that was very eye-opening to me. I guess since then, I've kind of felt that that's probably the most underrated, overlooked of all like the major systems of the body. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. Especially in regards to like trying to heal from stuff, you know, when things aren't moving, working optimally and you're trying to uncover like root causes and all the major players involved that you could um, tinker with. And, um, and then it's, you know, it's funny. I, um, I recently stumbled upon one of your videos that was, that kind of got back, I got reconnected and, you know, over the years of doing all the podcasts and reading all the books and listening to all the podcasts and listening to YouTube videos and going to workshops, learning a ton of different modalities to pull from, to kind of play with the relationship you have with yourself and your sense of well-being. The it's a blessing and a curse. You learn so much, and also you you wind up getting I wouldn't say too many tools in the toolkit, but you have so many things you want to do. And then the negotiation with time becomes more delicate. And, you know, I I don't want perfect to be the enemy of good enough. So I stumbled upon a video that I think, I think it was titled something along the lines of the big six. Yeah. And it made me, you know, reminded me the idea of like, okay, you could do a full routine. And, you know, let's say it takes a half hour or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. But if you can get 80% of those benefits in like three minutes, I could plug that in much easier. And you did a video of, uh, I guess, six kind of go-to lymphatic areas to work on. And I incorporated it into like my morning routine where when the sun hits the spot on my lawn, I go out barefoot, get in the sun. And, um, yeah, I do a little lymph work and some other like, you know, basic just feel good stretches and whatever, you know, feels right for me. So um, that's what uh, brought you back to my field of awareness. I was like, oh, let me reach out to to Perry again. Awesome. Well, I love it. First of all, that you're doing the big six is, uh, you know, I think that will uh, absolutely change your life. And if you do it outside, standing on the earth with the sun, I mean, that's a double win right there that's even back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean i'd say the same thing is that you know some people get so many different techniques and courses and you're, you know you want to get better at what you love to do but sometimes it's so much information that i find people get even more confused if that makes sense because it's overload and the dirty little secret is every single freaking one of them works you just got to know where to insert it and what person to use it for and what the dosage is. Maybe they need a little, maybe they need a lot. So you have to have a system to all of the things that you've spent your time learning. Otherwise it's a big jumbled mess. And sometimes what you do is when you don't know what to do, you do everything. And that I'm going to tell you right now, never works out well because you typically overwhelm the human body which is already overwhelmed, which is one of the reasons why you're not feeling well. <laughs> that makes sense? It, it absolutely does. Yeah, I think about that in terms of like uh, detox. And I know the lymphatic system is such a big role with that. It's like if the the bottom of the drainage systems 
of your detox pathways are not open and you overload and you try too much, you could feel a lot worse. In the, yeah, checking the lymphatic system is an absolute fundamental first thing that I do because in my world, if you're coming to see me, I already know it's a problem because you're that sick or you've been in pain that long. And I know most people have probably not assessed it by the time you reach me. That's just based on experience. And uh, so it's a system that may, I'm going to say may not be an issue. I haven't found it yet, <laughs> uh, but I want to check it to make sure so I can remove it as a player in the variables that your body has, because it's never just one thing. It's a lot of other things that are added together, but this much I know. If the lymphatic system is part of your issue and you do not do anything intentionally and on purpose to take care of it, you're going to struggle the rest of your life. And you probably won't ever get to that optimal state that you could be getting in because your body physiologically is not able to because those drains are stuck. So I unstuck them. That's my technical term. First, then I do everything else afterwards. Can we? I know on the first time uh, you were on, for the listeners, I'll link to the first episode. We took a, I guess, a deeper dive on the lymphatic system. Can we do a real brief overview and then maybe dive into those big six and why you pick those and why the order matters and such? But can you give like the, uh, you know, the one minute spiel on what the lymphatic system is? Ooh, a minute. That's a tough one. Or yeah, or, exactly. or a few, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking. Yeah. Well, the lymphatic system, like we said before, in my opinion, is the most important and most neglected system in the body. If it stopped working altogether, you'd be dead in one day. That's kind of a big deal, right? So it doesn't totally stop working for people, but it doesn't work as well as it could. So let's say that it's supposed to work at 100% and that it only works at 50%. You probably won't notice that right away, but year after year after year, you're going to notice it. And then that's the person who says, yesterday I was feeling okay and, tonight, and today I can't get out of bed. What's up with that? And I'm going to say, well, your drains were clogged for so long and your body finally lost the ability to compensate and adapt and deal with it on its own. And then now it's sending you a signal that I need some help. And for me, it's the lymphatic system. Why is it important? Because one, it's the most important part of your immune system, which is the primary system that keeps you alive and not dead and not sick and inflamed. So if you have inflammation in the body, that's an immune system issue. So I automatically know that the lymphatic system is an issue because you have inflammation and inflammation is one that causes the chronic disease and chronic pain in the body. And most humans have it, okay? And so it's the system that's designed to keep you alive. And the other part of it, which I'm going to tell you, I think is equally important, is it's a primary part of your vascular system, your blood flow, because the lymphatics dump their end product called plasma into the, into the veins of the body and it becomes arteries. So those systems actually interconnect with each other through their piping. And why is the blood flow important? Well, because that's 
the only thing that you have that delivers anything that you need in your body anywhere and out of things. That's it. This is the transport system. If that doesn't work, you don't get better, period. Like zero chance, none. So that's a really big deal. I have to make sure that I call that your supply chain is open so it can function as well as it can. The the kind of the, the Google Earth view is this. The lymphatic system will help optimize your blood circulation and getting waste out of your body so your immune system doesn't go crazy nuts haywire and start to attack you, which is what they call an autoimmune disorder. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Why in the world are autoimmune disorders going up and why is chronic pain going up and not down? I'm going to tell you because nobody's been paying attention to those two things that I told you about. That makes sense. That's huge. That's really big. That is a fundamental thing that if you miss those two things in my approach, you will not get better. And I'm going to stand by that until I'm dead because I see it all the time. Now, once you take care of them, I don't know how far you're going to go towards getting better. That just depends on a lot of different factors. But I know it's the biggest obstacle that you don't even know that you have. And I just told you that you have it. <laughs> right? I already know it's an issue if you come to see me. Why do you think it's so common for people to have an issue with their lymphatic system? That's a great question. Well, honestly, I'm going to tell you, it's by being alive on this modern earth, you're going to get it. Just because right. of toxicity levels of our environment? Yeah, and life, right? So, so the lymphatic system, let me break that down a little bit. The lymphatic system, its job is to get rid of waste that's in your body that gets in there and toxins that get in there. So anything that you have outside of your body that goes inside of your body, even food, for instance, um, that becomes waste and it needs to get out. And if it doesn't get out, well, then it's going to stay inside of you and you're going to get inflammation and you're going to get sick. So one of the things that can do it is, well, I mean, what is your nutrition like? Are, are you drinking enough water, which most humans don't, they're dehydrated and they drink other things besides water that makes them even more dehydrated, like coffee and alcohol. And your lymphatic system is 95, 90 to 95% water. I want you to think about that just for one moment. Imagine if that system is mostly water and you don't drink enough water. You already have a dysfunctional lymphatic system. The lymphatic system also moves through movement, moving yourself. And humans today, depending on where you live, don't really move a lot. We, we sit all the time. We're very sedentary. And then that stagnates fluid. Another thing that contributes to uh, lymphatic issues or blood flow issues, which we call stagnation, is um, stress, chronic stress. Is because that because it just slows down the other systems that aren't yes. like as important? Or at least well, as important stress. in the short term? Yeah. So that's a great question. 
everybody has stress, right? So stress isn't bad. You need stress. It's just your ability to adapt and recover from the stress that makes you a monster. If you can't recover and adapt from it and you're always in it, it's going to break you down. And that's what most people are in through physical stress and emotional stress, both to go together. And all you have to do is look at the world since the zombie apocalypse, and you'll see that stress has gone up a little bit, movement's gone down, right? Because stress kicks off what's called your sympathetic nervous system, which is part of your autonomic service system. That's your fight or flight. When that happens, blood flow automatically slows down to different places. And it, it causes the blood vessels to constrict. And then what you get is you hit, you slow down fluid flow when that happens. And you get a decrease in movement in the body because you have now excess tension that your body has. Why does your body have excess tension? Because it needs you to get away from the tiger or the threat that's coming at you to go. Most people never get out of that state. So they're in a constant state of tightness and tension and poor blood flow. That leads to what's called hypoperfusion, decreased blood flow. That leads to hypoxia, which is decreased oxygen to tissue. When you slow flow in, you slow flow out. So blood flow slows down, waste slows down, everything sits in one spot, and then you get inflammation. And I will tell you right now, if you have low blood flow and perfusion, you have low oxygen, increased in metabolic waste, you're going to get pain somewhere, period. It just depends on where you're going to get it and how much it's going to hit you and when, and when it hits you. So that's why we have to look at all of these different life factors that you're in. So calming the body down through many different techniques helps you relax, right? And then you ease tension and when you ease tension, tissues can relax. And when tissues relax, it's a very important phrase I'm going to say here, it creates more space. And when you create more space, what do you think moves better? Fluids. And also you. You don't move well when you're under a lot of tension. Okay. So then fluid begins to move and flow and then those two things can happen where you get blood flow in and you get waste out two-way street so you know when i say that what causes this to happen i'm not kidding when i say life l-i-f-e because it's going to have an issue so this is when people ask and say, hey, well, you know, I mean, I do a lot of movement right now and I drink a lot of fluids, so shouldn't it be okay? Well, should is the operative word, <laughs> but sometimes that's not enough anymore because they've become overloaded for so long that that's not enough to unblock those lymph channels and blood flow blocks. You have to get in there and manually clean out your drain. And you do that by your hands in my world. But naturally, that should happen through like the mechanical actions of the movement and the constricting of muscles that kind of helps um, like move limp along or like the breathing mechanics. Breathing in itself kind of helps 
pump it through. Yes, exactly. So that's like supposed if, like during right. homeostasis without excess uh, toxicity or issues or crappy lifestyle like that should be in theory in a perfect world like enough for it to just do its thing as long as you're hydrated you have the basic nutrients and such yes correct so you know think about those those things you said you know movement right when you make a muscle just think like a bicep muscle you make a bicep and you relax a bicep you make a bicep you relax a bicep that is a contraction and a relaxation basically a form of a pumping mechanism, right? Pumping blood flow. So movement is supposed to move these fluids. It's supposed to move the veins of the body and it's supposed to move the lymphatics of the body. Now, breathing does the same thing. When you breathe in and you breathe out and you breathe in and you breathe out, if you're breathing through your, your diaphragm muscle and your abdomen and not so much from your neck your chest and your shoulders which is where most people breathe from that is also a pump because it increases pressure and decreases pressure increases pressure and decreases pressure so that acts like a suction pump but let me ask you a question if you have a clogged toilet what's one of the things that you can use to unclog it plunger a plunger and what does that do high pressure low pressure high pressure low pressure high pressure low pressure it unclogs the drains and people aren't doing that but here's the rub even when you try to do everything right in your life from eating perfect and drinking food it's still eating the best food in the world it's still going to make waste because the body breaks it down the cells use the nutrients and it makes waste so you always have waste inside and outside all the time and you're exposed to so many toxins around the world that you can't possibly escape Unless you want to go live in the middle of nowhere all by yourself. Mm, but that's not conducive nice. to life, right? Right. Because it's the quality of the air that you breathe. It's the quality of the water that you drink. It's the quality of the food that you're eating. If people want to qualify what we eat and the standard American diet is actual food. And then it's also your environment of your mental environment, your emotional environment. Maybe you're stuck around a lot of toxic people in your life that cause you to have tension and stress when you get around them. Well, you're probably going to alter your breathing. You're probably not going to move right. You're probably going to be in fight or flight because of excess tension. And then you're caught in the matrix. You're in the quicksand. So I know that it's a problem. Right. On the food topic, um, I know, for, well, as I understand, um, one of the roles that the lymphatic system has is to um, move fat from our diet, certain fats. I think uh, I might be off a little bit, but once a fat molecule is over, um, like 10 or 12 carbons long, like as you go move from the medium chain fats long to the chain longer fat chain fat. fats, they wind up being packaged. Probably going to botch this word. I think it's on a colomicron or something, some kind of molecule carrier that has to go through the lymphatic system before I guess the liver does its thing. I mm. guess my question is, have you ever found over the years, have you ever had people tinker with their, fat intakes, whether their total amount of fat they take in or just shifting from longer to shorter chains, having a noticeable effect on the functionality of the lymphatic system? Yes, 
Absolutely. So the lymph is supposed to eliminate your long chain fatty acids, a lot of your hormones and your fat soluble vitamins. And so think about that logically. What if your lymphatic system is already overloaded and then you keep putting long chain fatty acids in? Well, then I keep putting stuff in a toilet that can't flush. Now, what are long chain fatty acids? That's an easy one. All the crappy ones. That's in everything that you eat. The canola oil, the vegetable oil, all of those things. All well, the ones don't, that they you stay away animal, from. Aren't most animal fats long chain also? Like, um, like I know... I think butter gets its name from butyric acid, which I think yep. is a short. And I know, I know the coconut has a lot of the mediums, but like if you have cheese or drink milk or have a steak, aren't the fats in there mostly long chain? Yeah, you're going to have fats in there and you're also going to have proteins, which leads to the second part of the story. Okay. Is that the lymphatic system's job is to remove protein from the interstitial fluid that's there because the proteins are too large to get out through the veins. So a lot of times when people have a high protein diet from any source, it can cause a lot more inflammation in the body because their lymphatic system is already uh, overburdened and it can't eliminate the protein that's there plus the fat that's there. And that also comes back to the first part of digestion, which is really important. When we talk about all these different systems of the body working together, that's why it's important to make sure, let's see where I can, I can take this for you so I can break it down. Let's talk about intaking, in, ingesting food. So let's say you eat a protein. Now that's good, but a protein needs to be broken down. And it needs to be broken down into individual amino acids because that's what proteins are. Most of the things that happen in your body are proteins. So it needs to break it down. And then, okay, well, how does the body break down the protein? It needs stomach acid. Stomach acid breaks down things, right? Particularly protein. A lot of people have low stomach acid because they have high stress. If you're stuck in sympathetic dominant fight or flight, your nervous system automatically decreases blood flow to your gut and decreases stomach acid production for those, because those are for later when you get away from the tiger and you're not dead, then you can eat, all right? So prolonged stress decreases stomach acid. When you have decreased stomach acid, you no longer break down protein all the way to the individual amino acids. And then those stay clumped together. And then your immune system will see that clump as an outside invader, even if even though it's just protein, because it's not broken down into recognizable amino acids. So automatically, right from the get-go, as soon as you eat a healthy protein, you're causing inflammation in your whole system because you can't break it down. Right? So that's after it. So you're saying it goes from the small intestines unfully broken down. So it's still partial protein. It doesn't break then, down in your stomach. Right. Your stomach's gets, gotta... So that gets digested 
as a chunky protein as opposed to the individual amino acids. And then you're saying the lymphatic system carries those out. The if a amino acid, if a protein doesn't get fully broken down and passes yes. through the intestinal lining, it gets in your bloodstream and then eventually has to go into your your lymphatic system. Yeah, so your lymphatic system is designed to remove things that are too large to pass through the veins. And that's a lot of stuff. Protein is right. But most of you remember from our prior conversation, most of your lymphatics are located in your gut. That's called GALT, gut-associated lymphoid tissue. Right. So when you have a leaky gut or broken membranes of your gut, and you're going to get that when you have low stomach acid, then those proteins leak through and they're not supposed to. And then your body has to do something with it. And then it says, okay, lymph, you're up. Right. And the lymph is taking a hit every time you stick something in your mouth. I don't care if it's the best protein you ever had in the world. It ain't going to matter. It's, it's better than puts a, a Right. But it puts a burden on the system. Um, I was So there, there's a gravitational component to this too, from what I understand. I know that the muscles move the lymph. I know that breathing is associated with kind of helping it pump through. Um, I learned that walking is kind of critical because of like the mechanical nature of the, the muscles of the lower leg, because you have to, because it doesn't really have its own circulating pump. You need that lower, that pump from down low to help get it up so that it could eventually make it way, make its way into the, circulatory system um which makes me feel like walking is like such a crucial component to managing or like supporting the lymphatic system and i know like people don't do that anymore and like a long time ago we must have done it a lot because obviously the we weren't yeah, spoiled with the type of uh locomotive um vehicles we have now but like i walk my neighborhood and there's not like a lot of houses in the neighborhood maybe maybe like 25 or so. And there's like, you know, the three or four people that you see that walk and like nobody walks, nope. you know? It, and like when you, I drive to work like two miles, but along those two miles, you pass a lot of houses and it's very rare. You just see someone out for a walk. Yeah. And, people don't walk in general. Uh, you go anywhere. Everybody takes the escalator or the elevator. The stairs are always empty. And that was really funny once, man. I, I tell you, I go to all these fitness conventions all the time. And I was recently out at the Mr. Olympia that they had. And they have these huge staircases going up the middle and they have escalator on either side. 95% of everybody was on the escalator <laughs> instead of the stairs. And it should be the other way around, right? right. We're just hardwired to take the easy way out. But yeah. let's think about walking. When you're designed to walk, that's ambulation. But... Even walking today, people don't walk because they're usually walking something, listening to something or carrying something, their phone. So that restricts the stride of walking when you're looking at a phone, right? But walking, you're going to move your muscles. You're going to be getting the pumping. You're going to be increasing your respiration rate, breathing through your diaphragm. And you're going to be using those calf muscles a lot, which pump 
the lymphatic flow, and even more importantly, the venous flow, the veins from the lower body up, okay? And that's called a venous pump. And in Eastern medicine, they actually call your gastrocnemius and your soleus, which is the calf complex, your second heart. Oh, is really? I've never heard up. that. Yeah, that's why, you know, rebounding and jumping up and down a little bit on the balls of your feet or going on a rebounder are so good because you're you're moving everything around and you're using the calves. It's also why the ankles swell so much because that's where people get a, a, the lymph and the veins with gravity. They stay down in the lowest part of the pipe. Gravity's pump. relentless, man. Yeah, but also think about the joints that you're moving there, which is every one. And walking is supposed to have a lot of arm movement and rotation in the abdomen and when you rotate the abdomen like that it's like a, a washing machine in a way like this it just twists and turns things and rotational movements move fluid very well and i think i tell people think about a towel that's wet and you want to get the fluid out oh, you right. wring the towel you twist it so that's why rotational movements are so powerful towards fluid flow. And I watch people work out today. They don't rotate. They they lift stuff up and they press it overhead. They push, they pull, they don't twist. And that also will lead you to get a lot of musculoskeletal injuries because you can't control force through rotation. That's the person who blows out their back when they bend over to twist and tie their shoe, right? All right. But let's get back to the big six. The, the big six are the areas that I tell people to work around the primary joints of the body that are supposed to move the most. And the operative word is supposed to, but we don't do that. But in those six areas, that's where you have the most toilets that gather that get clogged. But it's also where you have the largest flow pipes in the body for blood in and out. And it's also where you have some of the larger branches of the nerves that are going down to the tiny ones in your hands and your feet. They all travel together. And here's what people need to know. When you block one, you block them all. When you block one, you block them all because they're that close together. What blocks them? Well, tightness and tension and the fascia and the muscles and not moving them. Sitting all day long. So where are the big six? The first one is at the collarbone, above and below the collarbone on both sides. That's the first place. If nobody listens to anything during this podcast, this is the, one of the most important things. You should always rub and massage and show a lot of TLC, tender loving care, to below your collarbone and above your collarbone because that is where the fluids drain out and drain in of the body, particularly to the brain and from the brain. But that's the biggest block that people have. That's the, so if you think about plumbing, you have a plumbing in your house where you flush the toilet and then it goes in a pipe and then that goes to another pipe. And then that's got to go depending on where you live to the, your leach field in your, in your house. Okay, or it's your septic tank, or it's going out to the street. The septic tank pipe and the street pipe is the collarbone. 
if that's blocked, I don't care what you do with any other plumbing in your house, it ain't going to matter. Right? That makes sense. So that's yeah, why and, you... And there's an asymmetrical... Sorry. I'm sorry. There's like an asymmetrical component too, right? Like, doesn't there... There's a significant more percentage of the body that dumps in... I don't know if dumps the right word, but... You know, that is, I guess that works. dumps into the the left. Correct. Um, what is it called? Du uh, thoracic duct or what? Yeah. The... Thoracic yeah. duct. Thoracic duct. Do you? I just want to think of it as uh, the main dump site. The main, all right. It dumps to the left hand side of the body, the left left collarbone. About seventy five to eighty percent goes there. Gotcha. The other remaining percentage goes to the right, but you always have to clear both because they work together on pressure. Okay. What's the part that goes to the right? And then we could just assume the rest goes to the left. Is it? Not much. You have the right side of your head, neck, and face. Oh, so the, right. the face, so the head is split up between both. Yeah. Okay. Straight down the middle. Just like that. So, so let's say if you had an ear infection in your right side, it's going to try to drain to the collarbone on the uh, right. But doesn't the right leg even work its way to the left? Yes, correct. Duct? Yeah. So the only thing that goes to the right is what they call the right upper quadrant. Right head, neck, face, uh, right shoulder, arm, down in towards your right rib cage, a little bit of your lung there and the superficial part of your liver will go there. But the majority of everything else, this is the one most people need to understand is that everything from your abdomen and your lower body goes to the left. And everything else that I didn't tell you was on the right gotcha. goes to the But left. they both ultimately, it all comes to the collarbone. And then where, so that's kind of top of the food chain of the big six. That's always number one, right? I, I always start there and release tension there, no matter what your physical symptom or complaint is in the body. Even if you come on in and you have, for instance, chronic pain in your left, maybe you have plantar fasciitis, right? What's itis mean? Inflammation. So if you have inflammation, what do you automatically better be saying next? Lymph and blood flow is what you need to be saying, okay? So that is gonna drain to the left side of your neck. Which foot? Both, both of them go to the left. So we start at the left-hand side because what I'm gonna tell you is if you're, if you're clogged in the drain at your street on the left hand, you're really gonna struggle to get well at your foot. Because I know your foot's already compromised and its ability to actually be able to eliminate waste from itself all the way down. Because the pipe backs up all the way to your toilet, right? All the way right. all the, way to the base. So you have to clear the collarbone first. And most people have a huge amount of tension there. Why? Uh, sitting, poor posture, poor neck position, poor breathing patterns. They don't breathe correctly. They breathe through the neck, the mouth, the shoulders, and the chest, and everything tightens up, and you close down your drain right from the get-go. So you open number one, and number two is where you're supposed to have most of the motion in your cervical spine. 
So you have seven bones in your cervical spine and, and you have your, what's called your occiput, which is a skull on top. 50% of all motion in your head, turning it and bending it front to back happens at the top three bones in the neck. Occiput, cervical one, cervical two. The operative word is supposed to. So if you lose motion there, you automatically locked the drainage of the largest lymph node in your neck, which sits right below the lobe of your ear. That's the largest one? That's the largest one in the neck, correct. And it's behind the angle of the jaw, right at the top. And that's spot number two. So when you get clogged at spot number two, I'll give you one guess what goes up to the brain and down from the brain right there. Blood flow. And it gets compromised because you got inflammation there and I'm choking off your drain. And then you're going to get brain inflammation. Does that affect, you said the nerves go with it. So you mentioned like the fight or flight system earlier a few times. Like I think yeah. of the vagus nerve. Does I know that passes near there. Does that, can that you think in itself be affected just from yes. proximity of? Yes. Of where, so if you have a lymphatic, uh, like inflamed lymph nodes in that area, that'll prevent the vagus nerve from like doing its thing. Yeah, you will compromise the function of the vagus nerve because you're also going to compromise blood flow to and from the vagus nerve. Because it's coming like, out, we have to realize we, there's like a system. We're a system of all these systems that are so dynamically integrated. And you know, one of the issues I think with like the current medical model in the West is. It's like this um, myopic, like this, you know, everybody's got a specialty. So, um, which is useful and also comes at a price where like you don't see this, these interactions between systems because you have your system that you work on. Yeah. So you can actually get more lost the more you isolate. Right. But it's also how you learn, right? I mean, one of that's called reductionist thinking. And you need to do that to understand how something works. You try to dismantle the parts that put it together, like a car. Right? I'm going to take it all apart. And then I have a specialist. Let's say you have a heart specialist. That's the person who knows the carburetor inside and out, for instance. <laughs> but that carburetor doesn't work by itself, and neither does the heart. So you have to put all those pieces back together and then see how each one of them work with each other. That's, that's the issue. And unfortunately, that's not the model that we get into. We, we try to isolate it down into one like linear particular issue, but you can't do that with the human body. It doesn't work that way because if you look at a cell in a Petri dish in a lab, that's great. But guess what? That's not how they function in a body when that cell has to live with several trillion other ones. And as soon as you change the lab environment, you change everything. Right. That's right. That's the whole thing that they're talking about right now is that it's the environment that you're in that makes it the epigenetics. Right. It's it's not necessarily the gene that you gotta worry about. It's like what kicks it off, what what turns it on, what turns it off. And that's in the environment. And they're seeing that stress is a big cause of that. But I'm going to go back to what I said before. What happens if all of your cells and your DNA are living in toxic metabolic waste that can't get out? 
they're probably well, not going to be expressed well. Yeah, you're going to flip a switch on something. I'm going to tell you that right. right there. Okay. Because the cells are only as healthy as the environment that they live in, like those plants behind you that people are watching by video. Those plants are going to die if you don't take care of the soil. They don't don't blame the plant. I'm going to blame the, the soil that it's living in. And are you giving it sunlight? And are you giving it water? Well, those are two things that your human cells need too. And most people don't go outside into the sun a lot or drink enough water. And then their soil, which is the fluid around their cells, is crappy because the cells are living in their own waste. I call it cell poop. Cell poop. <laughs> I might have to title this video Cell Poop. Think about so, that, right? I mean, yeah. that, that, it seems so simple because yeah, it's it is. Totally logical. Yeah. Like that's, that's a fundamental of taking care of anything in nature. And you're the same thing, right? And so these areas up at the top, what you're saying before is that that vagus nerve travels down from that area down your neck down your sternum to your abdomen it's a long pathway to go and you can get irritated right up at the top and that's a person who may complain of digestive issues or gut issues and you can take all the supplements you want you can take all the food you want but if you don't help that spot up top well then the nerve can't function to its fullest capability to help you optimize your food and nutrients that in supplements that you put inside of it. But I'm going to go back to what we said before. The vagus nerve is the number one nerve in the body that puts your body into a parasympathetic relaxed state and turns on digestion and stomach acid. So if you have a compromise at the top of the vagus nerve, then you will usually have a stomach acid issue right at the top. And I'm going to help you change that by doing the lymphatics. And plus you have your carotid artery. They sit in a sheet, right? It's a fascial sheet. It's called a carotid sheet. It's it, going in that, she's like a, think about it as a wrapping around like a sausage. You've got your carotid artery that goes up to your brain with blood flow in. You've got your internal jugular vein that takes waste out. And you also have in that sheath your vagus nerve and a couple of other cranial nerves that go with it. That just means they come off the brain stem. So if I get blocked in that region, that whole sheet, that sheath gets compromised and everything in it gets choked off. That's why doing spot number one and spot number two when you rub it and you tap it from the outside, it looks silly and it looks like it can't possibly do anything. But when you understand what lies beneath it and what tension does to those regions and you understand physiology, you realize it's not silly at all. It can absolutely transform your life because you understand how systems work together. That's I, awesome. find it, I find it feel like I notice um, if I go through a few minutes of that stuff, I notice a, 
you know, you mentioned the word space earlier. That's how I would describe it. Like you have, you've, you create space within, like things are opened up. Um, it's like everything's coming and everything else follows, comes up online. Like your mind is clearer. You're, you're like, you're more likely to be ready to go. Okay. Like ready for a task now. Like I've, um, I've done my foundational, like support my, my general well-being, like give everything a boost. Like it's, it's very noticeable. It's not like it's subtle, but it's undeniable that you notice it. Yes, exactly. And subtle is a great word because I don't want to sledgehammer my whole body either with doing too right. much. Because when you're under a lot of stress and you're in fight or flight, you're not able to tolerate a lot of stress. That's the person where, you know, if you say hi to them, they jump or they hear a sound and they jump because they're locked in fight or flight. So like a PTSD type thing. So you got to go really easy on these things. And that cycles back to what I said before. All these therapies that people are doing to try to help someone, they are also considered stressors. And you've got good stress and bad stress. What's the operative word between both of those? Stress. So your nervous system is going to respond the same way to it. And then what will really blow your head is when you understand that all stress is subjective and, and it's all perception. Because what stresses you makes me feel great. That That's based on context and your history and your individual story and your past traumas. And, and that's why I have to ask about your history. Highly so spot two right there changes everything. Spot number three is where you move your shoulder at the shoulder joint. So we open that up because everybody's tight in the shoulder because they're rounded forward looking at TikTok all day, right? Then spot number four is- So hold, hold on, can I pause you there? So when you say shoulder, you're pointing to more like armpit or what's it called, axa, axillary or- Yeah, the whole thing. So the whole thing. what's okay. called pectoral, where your pec is. And- axillary kind of underneath inside where your armpit is the whole thing now do you have to be careful like how hard you're pushing like earlier you mentioned tapping i know in that video i think you do a little tapping a little like uh like brushing with your fingers a little circular motions yeah. do are there like to me when i get in the armpit um it feels potentially like not with my hands but like vulnerable like let's say i'm on a foam roller and I start to yeah. rotate on my side and I get in there, it quickly becomes like, am I going to hurt myself? Kind of feel like there's, do, do you have to be careful, you think, on how much pressure you put in these areas? Yes and no. Because why do you think that you're having that reaction to that region right there, first of all? Because I'm still jacked up. I mean, yeah, because so many <laughs> have been on the planet for 46 years <laughs> living in the toxic soup with everybody. Well, so many important things live there. That's why it's spot number three. Yeah, it was called your brachial plexus there and the blood flow to your arm. So if something happens there, you can you know, lose function of your arm and it can go up into the neck. So your nervous system automatically knows, man, you might want to go a little bit easier. Okay. So with the lymphatics, just don't cause pain. And nothing should hurt when you do it, all right? The, the lymph nodes in the lymph system is way more resilient than people give it credit for, right? The only time that you have to go more delicate uh, in the work that I teach is that, one, I never want anything to hurt. And 
because I you can push anything hard enough to make it hurt. But if I make something hurt, what's the first thing your body's going to do? Get tense. Well, exactly. So I'm defeating what I'm trying to do. Right. right. And also, the only time I'm going to pay attention to that is that if I know your lymph valves are significantly damaged because you have what's called lymphedema. Lymphedema means that you actually structurally have damage to your lymphatic valves and they don't function well. And there's no cure for that. You can only manage that. You can't fix those, at least currently for what we know. So you have to go easier because I know that the system is already really vulnerable. Does that make sense? Otherwise, you just have at it, but don't cause pain. And so that pec region is really tight on most people because of the, they don't, we don't reach overhead hardly for anything. And when we do exercise, we do a lot of pressing and chest dominant things. And we're rolled forward in the shoulders, hunching when we sit. You're closing down off the blood flow in spot number one, two, three. Because when you sit and you slump, people's head go really far forward over their shoulders. And then they get clamped down at the top of the neck where I told you they need to move. So most humans have already lost one, two, three, right from the get-go. Spot number four is in your abdomen, the whole thing, from belly button up. Now, I know that's tight on everybody because people sit and slump all day. And that's where most of your lymph sits, and that's where most of your immune system lives. I've seen some videos, maybe you could help me with this, um, Perry, where they really they really stress the importance of, like, direction. And I don't know, when I watch you, it just seems like, you know, it's it's not that important. Just practice. Just do things that don't hurt. And I've seen some people talk where, like, if you rub the wrong direction, you're going to get the whole thing's going to backfire. Like when I, I've seen people with the abdomen say, you know, brush things, you know, from the center down. And then I've seen some people say the opposite, like bring things up towards the armpits. Like, does it matter? Yes and no. You have to keep that in the context, like I mentioned before. If you have lymphedema and valves that are damaged, your direction is super duper uber important because they've been damaged. But listen, your body's pretty smart. It knows where to send fluid as long as you can ease tension. Right. And you don't want to put too much pressure because you cause the body to tighten up, but you don't have to go feather light on it either. Right. I mean, if your body was that delicate to where it would send lymph the wrong way and shut everything down, you couldn't function in a day. Right. So it's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. That think. makes sense. It's context, right? Um, but that's why I teach the big six, because everything in those areas has to drain to the big six. And that's also when I'm teaching you the order to do it in. Because the collarbone is the lowest pressure for lymph, and the highest pressure is the furthest distance away. That's why you start from low pressure and you work towards high pressure. And then you can go back up after that. That's just understanding how physics move of fluids called hydrodynamics. Once you know that, it makes all the sense. Because right. once you get the big six, then all this fluid automatically knows how to go towards the drain. Like once I open up the drain in the street and I flush the toilet, it knows to go to the street. That's how it works. 
I just have to open the blocks so it has the possibility to do so. So the answer to your question is yes and no, it's context like anything else. But if you do these six, like I tell you, that's going to make a big difference on what happens afterwards. So that's why you do number four. And then after that, you go to five, which is the crease of the groin. And most people are locked at the crease of the groin. Why? Because they sit all day. And they clamp down on the length in the, in the groin. But they also clamp down on the only way that blood gets to your leg and away from it. That's it. Yeah, this is if the that, area I feel like I neglect a little bit because I'm outside. And it's like anyone yep. in my house is going to be able to see me out in the lawn. And I feel like it's hard to do with clothes on. Like I'll have like short shorts on, nothing else. But it's still like not the easiest thing to access without. And you don't, right. want, I don't want like my daughter in the living room looking out the window and seeing me rubbing my groin. <laughs> right. Yeah. The cops are going to go up on you. Just say, hey, I'm doing the big six. Right. I got to make a point to work that spot in a different um, part of my schedule, maybe. Yeah. 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 But it's really important to work there because right. that's, a, a, that's a very neglected area of the body because most people don't complain of discomfort or pain in the crease of the groin, they usually get it somewhere in the leg or the back. And then spot number six is behind the knee, the crease of the knee. That's called your popliteal. That just means behind the knee. And uh, that's the choke point for stuff that comes from the foot up. But I mean, what I, I want you to understand I, is this. The, I'm sorry to me to cut you off. No, go ahead. Last point home. The knee needs to go to the groin, which needs to go to the abdomen, which needs to go to the neck. It's got a long way to go. It's got a lot of different pipes to get through. So that's why you have to clear from top down. And when you did that, you also opened up blood flow to all the primary areas of your body that need it. And this is really important for people to understand. When people have pain on anything on the back of the body, and people have a lot of pain there, <laughs> mid-back, low-back, back of the legs, back of the calves, you know, headaches in the back, all of the flow that your body needs to heal the back and then get rid of waste from the back comes from those six places in front. So that's why you clear the big six first, then you do stuff to your back. Now in the video, right. you, do, you do something, you you do like a finisher where you get those calves working to, yeah, uh, to kind of follow through everything you just did. Yeah, like little mini calf pumps. Yeah, because little... built-in rebounders, they're called calves. Right. And... And when you jump up and down, what what moves? All the fluid in your body, blah, 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 all your organs jump up and down. And you know, most people don't jump up and down on purpose at all. And, and for the listeners, if you feel kind of out of shape, don't feel like you have to really like leave the ground here. I mean, they could be really subtle. You're just getting that muscle to to kind of turn it all, on and off fairly quickly. And it's not really long. I mean, we just spent, I don't know, a half hour on these six things. But the reality is, is, 
this is like Picture, you know, I, I don't I don't spend more yeah I I'm I was going to say 3 minutes is like the most time I'm spending on this it's really um it's really a lot of bang for the buck yeah just make sure the uh, drink before you do it some water you want to stay well hydrated um also make sure you're not constipated before you do it because you're going to move some waste around and you want to be able to poop it out you know and maybe one of the reasons you're constipated is because you're dehydrated so you want to do that. And then, you know, I, I started to teach other courses as well. And we 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 spoke briefly about it. You said you saw some of my work that I was teaching about the tongue and tongue position. And everything that I get into and I teach other people is I'm seeing how does that area of the body circle back to what I've been teaching since the beginning of fluid flow in the body. Like, how does tongue position influence fluid flow in the body? Well, that's a really big deal because tongue position, where most people have it resting at the floor of the mouth, at the bottom of the mouth, and they usually have their mouths wide open and they're breathing through their mouth all day. And when you do that, you automatically lose head position. Like it goes forward. And you just choked off spot one and two right from the get-go because your tongue's in the wrong spot. If you put your tongue, the whole tongue, the front, the middle, and the back, up to the roof of your mouth, the whole thing, that's like a hydraulic. That changes pressure from your, your head to your neck to your thorax. So when you do that, you automatically pull your head back over your shoulders. You increase better pressure moving through the whole body whenever you breathe and pressure moves fluids i'm going to say that one more time pressure moves fluids so the tongue at the roof of the mouth you're actually getting better blood flow and lymph flow everywhere when it's at the floor of the mouth you shut it off that's why if you keep your tongue at the bottom of your mouth and you breathe the mouth open all day long, you're always going to have lymphatic and blood flow issues, even when you work them, because you have to go to, well, what's causing those to be an issue? Does that make sense? So yeah. tongue is considered, the tongue is actually considered in osteopathic medicine, a diaphragm. And diaphragm just means that they control pressure in the body. And it's called a horizontal diaphragm, like your diaphragm muscle in your lower part of your ribcage. It's horizontal, and then it comes down like a parachute. The tongue is also considered a functional horizontal diaphragm. In my world, that means that you can do all the breathing exercises you want all day long from your belly. But if your tongue is weak, fat, swollen with lymph in the wrong position you're gonna struggle there's there so there's lymph flow within the tongue itself yeah everything in your mouth's got lymph to it even your teeth sockets okay. so when you block the lymph nodes in spot number one and spot number two then you can't drain the lymph from the tongue from the roof of your mouth from the teeth they stay there and one, you get more toxic in your mouth because you can't drain waste. So you have increase in bacteria leading to more gingivitis and gum disease, which travels through the whole body and can give you an autoimmune disorder and mess up your gut microbiome at the same time. But you also can't drain the lymph from your brain, the cerebral waste from the brain, 
because you're blocked at the nodes below that it has to drain through. And when you have a fat, swollen tongue, which happens in a lot of people when they have an autoimmune disorder or a thyroid disorder, you see it a lot with thyroid disorders, but then I'm going to ask, why the hell do you have a thyroid disorder? So I'm still going to go back to the same thing in the beginning of what's your soil like, what's your fish tank like, or, or the fluid in your and your cells with your lymph and your waste. So when you put the tongue to the roof of the mouth, you actually form this suction sealed hydraulic, which helps drain the lymph that's stuck at the roof of the mouth because you have a lot there. One of the things that I tell people to do after you wash your hands is take your thumb and your finger and just rub it along the roof of the mouth behind your teeth at the top. It's called your hard palate because it's hard. And check on both sides and in the middle, is it uh, puffy, tender, or swollen? And it's not supposed to be. And if it is, I know you got a lymph problem in your head. And if you have a lymph problem in your head, you have a blood flow problem in your head, which means you have more of a chance of having neuroinflammation, inflammation around the brain itself are the nerves that come off of the brain called your cranial nerves. So it's, when, when you do these things, you have to see if like, when I do one thing here, how does it impact all the other different systems when I work there? And in order to understand that, you have to look at all the systems, not just one. Because here's what I find. People who specialize in lymphatic work know a lot about lymph, but not about all the other ones. So it's great that you work the lymphatics, but I also want you to understand how that relates to the blood flow, which is the vascular flow, the autonomic nervous system, things like that. So when I work with people, I'm going to give you the, the top two things that I look at when they come in to see me. <clears throat> My first goal is I need to calm the body down. I need to take them out of the sympathetic dominance, it's called. The sympathetic nervous system is lit on fire, always on. It's called fight or flight or hypervigilance, survival mode. If you're in my office, I already know you're in it. I have to calm the body down. Now, when I do that, tension relaxes, spaces increase. So automatically, every single one of your systems can begin to function better. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, 100%. Then, number two, I go after the fluids. Blood flow in, blood flow out, and lymph. Those. And I get those moving. Because now I'm cleaning out the muck. I call it muck in your system so then all the good stuff can come on in because your your body will not allow you to put things in that it cannot get out why because that's just stupid because you're going to die that's why <laughs> right so you have to continuously have turnover of waste that's why i read a phrase when I was studying classical osteopathic medicine, not modern osteopathic medicine, because they're just like MDs today. I'm talking about old school founding father of osteopathic medicine, Andrew Taylor Still. 
Uh, it's three words. I know we're running late on time, but I want to get this in. When I read it, it changed everything about how I work with the body. And it's this. Drainage precedes supply. Drainage precedes supply. What does that mean? I've been telling you for the last hour. Get the waste out first. That's drainage. That comes before what? Supply. What's that? Your food, your supplements, your oxygen, all the stuff you're trying to put in, which means get the muck out, then put the stuff in. If you do it that way, your results will be vastly different than what most people are trying to do. Change the body by putting a ton of stuff into it. But it's already struggling because it can't get stuff out. You're just adding more to the burden. Yeah, it sounds like great, simple advice for sure. I agree with you. It's great and it is simple. And some people say it can't be that simple. I'm like, well, who the hell told you that? Of course it can. Yeah. The things that seem to offer the most bang for the buck in general is regard to like trying to improve your sense of well-being are always like the simplest, the least expensive, like the spending time in sun, the putting the feet on your ground, the three minutes tapping your body in these six spots or, you know, being hydrated. The the tongue thing's interesting. I I've been working with my own tongue posture and I've been helping clients with it. And I've never thought when you mentioned it's like a horizontal diaphragm, that's really interesting. Like every session that I work with folks in the gym, it's always starting with uh, usually a little soft tissue work, but breathing, you mentioned rotation, like we're always on the ground going through rolling and kind of working our way through the developmental sequence. And I find myself cueing uh, mouth and tongue position a lot. And what I notice is it's like impossible for people to hold it. Like it's, yeah. you know, they, they fix it. And then it's within, you know, less than five seconds, it's lost sometimes less than like one second. It's like immediate, like there's a real disconnect there of our, our tension, our neural pathways to like hold that posture. But it's interesting to hear. I know that it was important and I, know how to practice it i'm struggling getting people to practice it in a way that it sticks but now i feel like i have more context of why it's so important and i never really considered it having a role in regulating or modulating these these pressure changes which impact you know the movement of fluid that's i find fascinating yeah, me too. I mean, that's a concept from uh, osteopathic medicine, again, is the horizontal diaphragms. And the tongue is pivotal for helping you control what they call intracranial pressure inside and intrathoracic stuff at the collarbone. That can be the linchpin. Hmm. And that's big, the tongue position, because one, many people have a hard time holding it there because the tongue is is a lot of muscles in it. And it's called intrinsic muscles. And then extrinsic ones help you keep it to the roof of your mouth. And uh, people who don't use them, if you don't use it, you lose it. it it's like people going to the gym and they they can barely do uh, one set of lunges and their legs are shaking. It's the same with the tongue. It's just because you haven't used it a lot. It's and yeah. it's going to take you a while to build up your tongue muscles like it does your bicep. 
Can I ask you how you cue that? So if you were uh, teaching one of the listeners now, like specifically how to position the tongue other than just up, is there any cues that you give? Uh, Yeah, that's a great one. So the first part of changing tongue position is just the awareness that it's supposed to be up there. (laughs) Because you can't control something until you become aware of it. And so many people don't ever pay attention to the tongue for one simple reason. It doesn't hurt. Hmm. If stuff doesn't hurt, we think it's just fine. That's mistake number one. Uh, So to to say, okay, I just want you to stop keeping it in the bottom and try to keep it up at the top. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to feel like it doesn't belong there. It's going to feel really weird. And you'll say, this can't be right. (laughs) It is, right? So a lot of it's just from the the weakness part of it. Uh, I could teach you one, but it actually takes a little time to do that. So it might just maybe next time. What's that? Maybe uh, part three next year. We'll yeah, do we can we can do that next time. And, and all, I'm not trying to to skirt it, but I'm saying no, it's not something okay. it's not something you want to rush through. But the the part that I'll tell you is this: is that uh, most people will put the tongue at the roof of the mouth and they just do the tip up behind the the teeth right there. And and that's a really powerful nerve spot, by the way. And it does help with balance, but you ultimately want the middle and the back to rest up there against what's called the soft palate. That's the one further towards the back. And when you do that, it, it changes the airway and actually stimulates the vagus nerve at the same time. And you're supposed to be able to train and exercise with your mouth shut. You're not supposed to have your mouth open when you move. It's supposed to be closed. You need to use the nose. Now, most, a lot of people can't breathe through the nose. One, because they maybe have some deviation to the nose, some structural issues from it. Maybe they got punched in the nose or hit in the nose. But a lot of people can't breathe through the nose because it's stuffy all the time. And they get a lot of sinus issues or drainage issues. And if you have that, I'm going to tell you, well, you have a lymph problem. So that's why you do the big six and you drain the lymph. And then you'll find out that, holy cow, I can finally breathe through my nose and now keep the tongue stuck to the roof of the mouth. And when you do that, it automatically forces more air down into your belly region because you optimize the function of your diaphragm muscle better with your tongue at the roof of the mouth as opposed to the bottom of the mouth. It's it's interesting you say that. I've noticed over the years, there's been times where working the lymph around the neck and the back of the ear and the front of the ear is enough to get my sinuses to drain. Um, yes. like it's making it's making space like the head's been waiting for there to be room to go and then yeah, you make room a great way to put it. and then it just all falls down so once again let's kind of revisit this because i teach people once you understand the physics and don't let the word physics fool you it's, it's simple um fluid flow of hydrodynamics of high pressure flowing towards low pressure that's how it works The lowest pressure in your body, like we said before, for fluid flow, um, veins and lymph, is the collarbone. The highest pressure would naturally be the furthest distance away from the collarbone. 
which is where the feet for sure uh, the hands and then where the head the brain so everything in your brain wants to go where down to the collarbone and it has to get there through the neck so if i open i posted this on instagram just a little while ago because i teach a course specifically for clearing brain waste it's called the glymphatics lymphatic mojo glymph is just a lymphatic system of the brain uh it has to go past the neck to get out and most people have so much tightness and tension and restriction in the lymphatics in their neck that they were never even aware of but when you open those up everything flows better and then you say wow like i can breathe so much easier and when you can breathe easier through your nose you can increase pressure more in your diaphragm which will allow you to do what move your lymphatics more efficiently and effectively yeah. that this was a really big one for me my friend i'll tell you because i had lymphatic system issues probably for most of my life but i didn't realize it was the lymph system that i needed to go after until i got really 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 sick and that's when i discovered the lymphatics for 20 years i had inability to really breathe through my nose i had a lot of sinus issues and uh post nasal drip stuff fluid kind of going down the back of my throat and i was always <clears throat> <clears throat> clear my throat so almost every 10 seconds i would sniff and maybe every 30 seconds to a minute <clears throat> i would do this and i went back and saw some old lectures of myself and i'm like oh my gosh that's really annoying like i didn't even know <laughs> I was. but my wife would say she you know watch your sniffing watch your clearing your throat and many people thought it was just a tick is the habit <clears throat> But I really physiologically couldn't breathe through my nose and I was always post-nasal trip. And when I began to do, uh, sometimes I get a little emotional because this is a huge part of my life. Um, I did lymph targeted lymphatic work uh, a few days in a row. And I remember it like it just happened. I was in London. And I could finally take a breath in through my nose. And I went a couple of hours without clearing my throat. It was a, a transformation for my life in so many different ways, just beyond length. And that's honestly why I'm so passionate about this subject and why I teach it the way I do, because uh, it changed my life and it saved my life. And I knew that if it did that for me, <laughs> And I didn't know about it. How many other people in the world have no idea? And so when I started to teach this stuff, I get I can't tell you how many messages I get on a daily basis from all walks of life telling me how much that big six in and of itself changed their life. That's what it's all about for me. You know, that's why I love to talk about it. I mean, I mean honestly, I, I could sit here and talk to you for five hours straight. Because well, I, I believe you, but I'm going to wrap it up and respect your time. Um, I, I appreciate you sharing that um, 
that personal moment. And I remember you talking a lot about your own health history in the first episode. So if the listeners want to hear more, you could um, take a dive into that one. And we'll link to that Big Six video. If people want to learn more, how do you suggest them connect with you? Oh, first of all, thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, that link would be great to the big six. You know, we have that on um, our Instagram channel as well. And we're actually adding a dedicated page to it on uh, stopchasingpain.com because I've had so many people request to, um, to see a little bit more about it. So that's going to be coming up soon. But it's really easy to find my work. You type in those three words, stop chasing pain. And you're going to have a lot of stuff to show up. It'll keep you busy for a while because <laughs> yeah, I've been in this, this game a long time, but you'll see our website. That'll be pretty much the space where it can spider out to all of the different places that we have uh, content from workshops to memberships, to podcasts, to products. We have a lot of different products that we uh, give out to people. Every single product that I create has one goal to it. It's tools that you can use to move these fluids. That's what they do. Great. Yeah, I haven't checked out any of your products yet. Maybe I'll check that out. Um, thanks again, Perry, for taking uh, your value time and spending it with me. And um, for the listeners out there, always grateful for your listening. Hopefully you got some value out of this one. And if you um, know someone that's struggling with health and they don't know why, um, you know, send it their way and maybe could introduce to something to them that creates a transformation for them. Thanks again, everybody. I hope you have a great day. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I sure did. I learned some new tricks today. Looking forward to tinkering with them. Um, also, I got to say, on a personal note, I definitely feel in my own healing journey that integrating lymphatic work, um, it helped move the needle at a time where I really needed it. So if you're not feeling great, I definitely encourage you to, to integrate some lymphatic-based practices into your routines. And what's nice about Dr. Perry's work, there's a lot of things you can do, and some of them don't really take long at all, and they don't require any expensive equipment. If you want to learn more, check out his stuff at Stop Chasing Pain. Once again, I appreciate your listening, and I hope you really enjoyed the episode. Enjoy your day.